Hi, hello, and welcome to Oh Boy, the podcast presented by Man Repeller. I'm your host, Jay Bume, and today's guest is the amazing musician Martha Wainwright. Her new album, Goodnight City, just came out, and I strongly recommend that you give it a listen. Also, I'm really excited to have The Real Real back again as this week's sponsor. For those who don't know, it's the best way for you to sell your luxury items that are just sitting around collecting dust. You can earn up to 70% of the sale price for your items, and most items sell in three to five days. Shop today and get a 20% discount with the code MANREPELLER. No spaces, just MANREPELLER. Okay, let's get into it. But I've been in Mon- mostly in Montreal for the last few years. Okay. Because I grew up there. Yeah. And I, in- I inherited a house when my mom died. So I went back to have uh, uh, my second child because I wanted them to have Canadian citizenship. Yes. And to learn French, which is what I did. Uh-huh. But I, we kept the house in, in Brooklyn and I kind of just rent it to lodgers I have like lodgers like nice girls who have jobs who yeah. are very different than me <laughs> who are so much more better behaved who have like a, yeah. like a constant income yeah, source yeah and they get up at 8 <laughs> and they go to work and they come back at 10pm and they yeah. like drink tea and that's the house is like cleaner than when I ever lived in it and I'm like great and then I come down and just I have like a couple bedrooms for me and the kids oh and that's we share cool. the living room and it's that's you know great. it's very loose yeah loose I like that Got a lot of love for Canada. Good. Where, where did you grow up? Montreal. In Montreal. And what was we're it like? rolling, I'm assuming. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I hope so. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now we're, um, I, how, what was it like to grow up in Montreal? Yeah. It was great. My mom um, and uh, her sisters are, she was Canadian. Her sisters are Canadian. They uh, are like national treasures there as singers. Yeah. And, um and the McGarrigal sisters. The McGarrigal sisters, yep. and like at, uh, when I was a kid growing up, um, when the when the TV would stop at like you know midnight or whenever mm-hmm. it was, when you got the, right before you get the bars or just the the white noise, uh, there would always be um, animations from the National Film Board because there was a really strong government run yeah. film board in Canada that made incredible cutting age films in the sixties and seventies. Yeah. You know, I was just you know one of my actually my favorite short films of all time is uh, it's a Der- that Derek May short yeah. that I just you know I put it up on Facebook the other day. The one with um it's called Angel. With Leonard Cohen, yeah, have you yeah. ever seen that? I think I have. It's yeah, black yeah, and yeah, white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just—it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. So, so like the that, there was yeah. a, a, the film board would put on a vignette at the before TV would stop, which is such a great idea. Like yeah. TV stopping, and uh, go to bed, <laughs> and um, it was uh, this beautiful. It was a song called "The Log Driver's Waltz," which is a well-known Canadian folk song sung by Kate and Anna. Um, with this great animation of, of a log driver, you know, getting married um, to a girl. And um, so in that in that beautiful national treasure way, they were really ensconced in the, yeah. the, the, the society and the sort of the goodness of Canada and the rightness of it, <laughs> you know. And um, so it's nice to return to that and, and be back in Montreal where I grew up and have my kids be going to school or, you know, learning French and... And um, my door is unlocked all the time, and there's just croissant and baguette and 
It's really sweet. I remember being on tour once, um, and we stayed at a friend's place in Montreal, and like we were awoken in the morning to somebody like baking us fresh bread. Yeah, there's an element you of know? that. Well, nobody has any like, jobs. Like, this nobody this, works. This was the sweet. This is like this is the sweetest thing. Exactly. That's ever happened. Nobody works. Yeah. People knit and shit like that, and it's like, um, it's good because it's really the way that we should live, or at least part of society should live. I mean, it's yeah. great to be in New York and to be working all the time, which is really what you're doing and, and meeting incredible people and networking in a way and doing great shows and seeing amazing things. And it's just a kind of a nonstop thing. And it's that's really fabulous too. But it's just amazing to be in another type of city where nobody does anything and everybody's sort of making kale soup. And, you know, it's great. <laughs> well, I think one thing that's kind of, and I don't, I don't mean to naysay New York, but I think and maybe maybe this is the way it always was, but it just it feels like there's more people on stage. There's like less <laughs> like everybody's on stage. There's no audience. Or you know what or I mean? There's like a huge everybody. Difference, like you know, Manhattan used to be versus Brooklyn. So of course, there's all these New Yorkers that you know, some of whom have never left the state. Yeah. You know, who yeah. are like working know. every day. And then there's people who are kind of posing. I guess is sort of what you're saying. Yeah, it's just we need more audiences. We need like yeah. more people that want to see stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. What uh, what kind of kid were you growing up? What kind of kid was I? I was like good. I was really sweet and <laughs> quiet because my brother Rufus was like totally rambunctious and probably had some version of, you know, aggressive disorder or whatever. I don't know. ADHD. Was he older or younger? He's older. He's, older. He's like okay. three years older. But and he was um, just really like rowdy and and I was a, a sweet child. And then that changed. Then I became. <laughs> what, you know, then I you? turned thirteen and everything okay. went to hell in a handbasket I moved here to to live with my dad for a year because I had never lived with him and he said hey why don't you come down to live in New York City and and I was just turning 14 and he was turning 45 and I went to friend seminary on 16th street and I hadn't been to a co-ed school uh in a while and that where the attendance was um like not demanded you know so I just went from like a nice girl to like a terrible teenager just overnight. like this, yeah, this yeah. town just, corrupted you it totally i was like out all the time and my dad had no parenting skills he had no idea how to like discipline me or like set up any rules right and he, he was like going out on dates and he didn't know where i was and like my mother was like what and i was like stealing his pot and i mean it was pretty pretty i was it was pretty tame i didn't like i wasn't strung out on heroin that was later but you know it wasn't so bad when i was that young <laughs> i uh you know like i grew up in new jersey so like i always had this idea of like what it must how exciting it must be to be a kid in new york and just some of them are it was wild it was i was wild. amazed because i would i came down here and i didn't have a lot of structure in montreal but it didn't really matter you just ended up like in a safe park yeah. you know like and then there was nothing to do yeah but some of the teenagers and young people I went to high school with the French seminary who all had a bit of money, you know, mm. and maybe parents who worked and or, you know, like they were, you know, hanging out late, you know, in the city by themselves and getting into lots of trouble. And it yeah. was pretty I was right in there. Was there like a moment where you're like, I got to I got to get out of here? Yeah, well, my he, my dad kicked me out oh, at the did? end. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he sent me home to my mother. Uh, no more. And you had to go back to Montreal. Yeah, she smoked on my pot. You can have her back. Yeah. <laughs> so, what what was your family like growing up? Uh, they were like really uh, close, mm-hmm. the McGarrigals and and um, my mom 
bought uh, this rambling kind of old Victorian house in this nice neighborhood in Montreal. Um, the, con- the, the, the market had dropped, so she got it at a, at a really good low rate mm-hmm. in like 1976. It was like a crash. And um, so we had this kind of rambling, falling down house amidst these this nice neighborhood with women with diamond earrings and, you know, different Like things. an Adams Family style house yeah, or something? Yeah, we looked totally different. You know, my <laughs> mother had a boyfriend, her bass player, who was great, and he was a clown and a bass player, and he was like this tall English guy who was like gardening outside all the time and swearing constantly, yelling with this giant boomy voice, and people were coming in with all sorts of instruments and spending the night and jamming or playing I, I guess it's not did you love did you love that like was that something yeah, you were I like think it was really fun I think it was really it was quite bohemian yeah. you know um I mean it wasn't like terribly it wasn't irresponsible a couple of times it was but you know it wasn't <laughs> so bad and then I went to girls school at, at the local school which was like really good yeah. you know went to a good good school and and um and Rufus and I could walk to school and it was a bit like growing up in a different era because it was still like kind of like super safe and we'd play. We'd go out and go to the local park until sundown and be in a pack of kids and, you know. It's um, pretty ideal. So, it, was, know, um, yeah. it was really nice. It was really sweet and it was protected, you know, and, and there's something to say for that. I've, one of the things, I, you know, like spending time in Canada is that I always notice that there's, um, you never feel that like sense, you never feel that aggression in the air. You know how sometimes like say like, okay, say like later tonight you were to go down to like the Lower East Side or the East Village and you walk around at night, like you can feel this kind of like deep, like this, there's aggression in the air. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, that's just, it's absent. That feeling is absent. It certainly is absent. I mean, there's also, you know, on the flip side of that, I mean, as if we're talking, um, you know, why America is great or not great (laughs) or whatever, um, you know, there's an, there's 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 something that's built into a lot of Americans that maybe sometimes Canadians don't always have, which which is the sense of uh, which is an aggressivity, yeah. which is kind of amazing too. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's like a, a like a franticism in Americans that sometimes in Canada, not all. I mean, no, 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 huge it's... generalizations, but can, can can you can kind of miss? Right. You know, you're like. It's just, I wake up in Montreal, I'm like, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> I gotta go do something. Like, I gotta, you know, like, and and there's something about that too that I really appreciate here. There's an energy here. I mean, certainly when I moved down here when I was 21, and I um, I really took advantage of that to write songs and to to be um, just it was very creative. Yeah, you know, to be here at that time. Just to go back for a sec, do you do you remember the first thing you were really interested in? As a kid, you know, I there's something that I that my mother said about me that always really hurt my feelings, and it still does to this day. And she felt that I lacked interest in things, you know, and that that was um, an intellectual handicap in a way on my part because, um, you know, people who are interested in things are 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 the best people, and or are the smartest people, or the most interesting people, or the who are, they're they're using their time correctly. So, not to say that I don't have interest, but it's something that I wish I were, um, I could say, well, you know, I was interested in this type of spider, (laughs) and it inspired me for four years, and I studied every element (laughs) of it, which led me to Greek mythology, and then I learned Greek. Um, That didn't happen to me. So, I had these these more of these overall interests. Um, 
And as a young person, you know, they were, um, you know, why do I feel so sad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, you know, like, okay, so just like, so m- like melancholy, more like melancholy. introspective, yes. just... Uh, melancholy and yeah. poetic thoughts and, um, you know, who, are, who, who are loves the- me, who doesn't love me, am I ever going to be loved, why am I here? You know, b- bigger ideas. Yeah. Wh- um, you know, who are the people that spoke to you? Who are the people that you emulated? Um, well, you know, uh, I listened in, in music, kind anything, of, in yeah. anything, yeah, anything, yeah. just what, what, who, what pops into your head when you Diderot, know? I liked that, you know, and, um, um, fatalism. And then, um, I liked theater when I was growing up, I wanted to be in the theater and, um, what was the first thing that turned you on to that? Well, I we I read some from Rhinoceros, uh, an UNESCO play. Mm-hmm. I read a little bit. I, I was in that, and then also I, I did a spe- uh, a monologue from Antigone, um, that that kind of changed. You know, I, when you're young, these things change your life, and you are like totally defined by them, mm-hmm. and then you forget them. You know, and then um, I found a cassette in my house of. Um, Leonard Cohen's I'm Your Man and it was like just the year after it came out and then I listened to that on a boombox constantly and I wanted to be Leonard's backup singer you know and that was the first time that kind of you know lyrics were poetry and poetry were lyrics and that was like a blur or where you know you sort of seeing music for something other than mm. just sort of rhythm and um, uh, f- something other than entertainment or beauty it's even beyond that it's these ideas and was he a figure that like loomed large in Montreal? Yeah. Like yeah, he loomed large in Montreal, and then he loomed large in in my life. But yeah. you know, as did P.F. or any, and then big singers. You know, for me, big female singers, Dolly Parton, and things like that. Where yeah. you just sort of because I was starting to sing a little bit, you know, and you're just hearing these women doing these crazy things with their voices, and you go, "Can I do that?" You know try that and try that and you just try that and did you have like an awkward time growing up the whole thing was pretty awkward (laughs) we were trying to figure it out i didn't i i didn't flower in my youth (laughs) that wasn't my youth wasn't my time yeah although that's okay yeah not hey i think it's pretty good yeah now that i'm 40 (laughs) i know yeah i mean i like i love getting older yeah. I just like I'm just I feel like I'm just starting to figure it out yeah, to some too. degree. Yeah. And then too. something else will come along and I'll feel like I have no idea. But yeah. but still. Yeah, I agree. Um so Well, I'm d- older than you and I'll tell you it gets but even better. Yeah. I, I I'm <laughs> glad to hear it and I totally believe you. Um what was so did you have a path that you wanted to follow? Was acting something or you know, well, the I went I went to theater school yeah. and I got into theater school and um and then um you know, at theater school I, I got into kind of an okay theater school, which is not saying much about you know, about <laughs> my schooling. Was it and in Canada? In Canada okay. at the at the local university and um I realized that that was not a real line of study. If you're not, unless you're going to like Yale in theater or somewhere really good, it's sort of like not really real. Sure. So, um, and what they wanted me to do in my my first year is, you know, you're sort of asked to sort of cleanse yourself of of your personality in a way because you want to sort of be open to characters. And I was doing the opposite. I had started writing songs and I was singing back up for my brother Rufus and we were like kind of the talk of the town in Montreal and he was getting a lot of attention and we were like going out and, uh, and 
being like really we were like really popular yeah and and like hanging out with like characters and getting into drugs and art and bohemian insanity and and i was as i said starting to write songs so it was totally against sort of what the school wanted me to sort of become this bland sort of you know right a face to paint onto or whatever <laughs> yeah and for like the teachers to like mold yeah mold them. and yeah. to like now be a you know cry or whatever so <laughs> i it didn't it didn't work out and i left i left school i i sort of ran away where'd this, you go this older guy who was a songwriter he's still around and and i kind of fell in love with him and just sort of kind of attached myself onto him like a cat yeah um but really because he was just traveling around the around the country, around the states, as American, and I would just well-known musician, like yeah, well, kind of. His folk musician's name was Dan Byrne. Okay, and I was big in the '90s, kind of like a like um, a new Bob Dylan type. Gotcha. And um, but that was just really an excuse to get out of town and start doing shows and things. And you were playing music at that. I time, I was playing too? music. I had started writing songs, and he would let me open up for him sometimes. <laughs> wow. He was so generous. Was there <laughs> was there a moment where it kind of clicked for you, where you're like, okay, this is what I want to do? Well, I knew that that was probably what was going to happen yeah. because everybody around me was 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 a, and still is a musician. Mm-hmm. And you know, I had left school, and I although I wanted to transfer into art history, I didn't. I didn't. You know, instead, I just started playing shows three, four, five times a week on the road and in Montreal and then started playing down here. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it was sort of over for me. Many, any any idea of going back to school and, and, and learning a trade was sort of done Yeah. Effort now. And then I started and then I made, you know, I spent like six years making EPs. And Was there a moment where it just felt like you were doing the right thing? Did you know that you were doing the right thing? Well, I or think was I, it... in a way I was always doing the thing that in, in, that 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 uh, had been laid out for me to do. Most young artists and musicians or young artists are you know feel very strongly and passionately about this is what I want, and I yeah. abandoned my parents and I told them I'm moving to the big city and I'm yeah. going to do it. You know, and me, I I I was encouraged or or not watched or whatever like you know no one was really paying attention to me but it was sort of assumed that I would go into music and so I felt a little bit fraudulent really how so because I felt that I didn't it hadn't been from only from me Mm. but then it turns out that I did and I always have had this you know kind of anger and fire and ability inside of me that I just didn't um fully you know um cherish well how did you get to that point where you were you're able to years look at it years and years yeah. and years of people saying oh we like you you're you're okay <laughs> and then finally uh putting out a record um uh, when i was 28 and and then um it it, it it there was some success in england and i you know it was a bit like getting off the plane and all of a sudden everybody wanted to talk to me and i felt you know well i had been working at it for a long time right and i felt well you know i did do this on my own, I did do this. Yeah. I think that's the thing I see a lot of time my friends who are in bands, like when they just spend a really, really long time working at it. And then when they get a little bit of success, it's like they're ready for it because mm-hmm. you've you've got your foundation, you know, as opposed to like people who just come out of nowhere. And well, and you just, feel you worked for it too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're just prepared. You have yeah. the chops, you know. Do you look back on that time fondly? 
when you're just when you're kind of uh, like yes and no i mean it's funny walking around here yeah you know and um i used to walk over the williamsburg bridge every day because i would walk for hours and hours um when i was writing songs and i would just you know i would get up at 11 and hang out in my underwear and play the guitar and then walk and then go out until four in the morning. That and, sounds like a really good time. You know, it was great. Yeah. I, we had a great, I had a great time. There were a few times walking home over that bridge, you know, where I thought, you know, you know, after doing too many drugs or just getting it being, just getting all too crazy, yeah. you know, where I thought, you know, I should go home, you know, I really should go home. But I stayed, you know, I kind of, went to bed and got up the next day and said, okay, I got to, you know, pull yourself together. And that's, that's always an interesting struggle, I think, for young people who are artists, because I don't think people realize how hard it is to be your own boss, especially when you're young. I mean, oh, yeah. most, cause it requires you, you have to force yourself to do things, which is really hard to do. You know, you can spend a couple of days watching daytime television and yeah. that's cool and smoking pot. And the, but then eventually you, you do have to say, okay, well, then what, what, what am I going to get out of this? And so it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of strength and a lot of confidence to discipline, a lot of discipline. Cause the, the other side of that is like too, like you can get into like a pit of self-loathing where you're just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like you haven't done shit. Right. You know, and then that can all that perpetuates itself. Of course. It can. You know, it's really it's really it's really scary. And like and yeah, people think people think that like being an artist or taking that path is easy, but you spend more time beating yourself up than like somebody like you have nobody like your boss is yourself, right? So like you're you're only getting mad at yourself. Yeah. There's nobody you can like put that anger on. That's I it. mean, you can in the people around your life, but well, then like you'll not, alienate you, them it's, eventually. It's much easier to clock in. Yeah. <sighs> you know, and clock out. Pardon the interruption, but I want to thank The Real Real for sponsoring this week's episode. For those who don't know, The Real Real is the place that makes luxury consignment painfully easy. They offer in-home pickup and free direct shipping where you can earn up to 70% of the sale price of your items. And most items sell in three to five days, so what the jazz are you waiting for? Look inside your closet and Marie Kondo that shit. Accepted categories are women's and men's luxury fashion, fine jewelry and watches, home art goods, and kid stuff. Head to therealreal.com and shop today with a 20% discount by using the code MANREPELLER at checkout. That's 20 frickin' percent, which is a damn good deal. So don't sleep on this. Okay, back to the show. Was there a moment where you started taking things seriously? Yeah, I think, you know, when the, the uh, there was a certain amount of self-destruction and then there was a fatigue from that and there was a fatigue from sort of the, the you know, watching my brother rise and, and you know, me feeling like oh, no one really wanted, wanted to sign me because I was sort of a liability, you know, because I had a lot of record companies sort of sniffing around, but then, you know, I might do a show where there's record companies and that would be the show that I would get like shit faced at. Gotcha. And then I would do a show with in front of nobody and like be super like well, I would do a lot of that. Was there, do you, you know, looking back on that, do you think there was a reason that you would do that when like the stakes were really high where you would maybe just like check out a little bit? I don't. Yeah, I, I want I hope so. I mean, it, right now it feels like there was for a reason. I think I think I, I wasn't as good as I am now. Yeah. Maybe I needed to get better. Maybe I needed to figure out. 
uh, what it, what it was that I wanted to say. I, I feel like I was always carrying around the 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 baggage of my my own parents' um, careers in a way. So I you know people say oh you know you've been making records for uh, a while. My first record only came out 11 years ago, which is not that long considering I'm 40. But I always feel like I've been doing this for about 60 years mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm I always carry around the legacy of my yeah. parents because I sing their songs and I like I really like I, I and I emulate them yeah. you know. So uh, maybe it just took me a while to. Um, uh, brush some of that off, yeah. you know. I, I I think it's really interesting. It's really refreshing that you talk about your you you know you your relationship to your folks and the music and stuff like that. I feel like a lot of people who are children of musicians or actors they they Don't it's like something that. they never want to talk about. Um, out of like, but it but it's it it's a part of who you are. You know, it's, it's a huge part of who you are. And I think that Rufus and I, I mean, I don't want to speak for him, but I think that the, 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 the belief that we always have had or the possibly, possibly it's a disbelief uh, or it's an incorrect thought. But the, 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 I think the thing that made it easier for us is that I think that we both or I, I'll speak for myself. I always imagined I could usurp my parents mm-hmm. potentially. I don't think I have. Yet I maybe and I maybe never will and now I don't really care about it anymore because I'm older and I sing their songs and I own my mother's publishing so it's all the same to me. Yeah. <laughs> but um, when I was younger, I think it was important for me to feel that. So I think when you're Sean Lennon or you're Adam Cohen, I think that's a harder thing to deal with. You because know? that mountain's like it's kind of impossible. You can't scale Just it. Forget about it. You can't scale it. No. But they still do it. Oh, we you have know? to, yeah, yeah, because they're talented, and, yeah. I, and and the the thing is, is that I think that if it weren't if if it weren't for my uh, where I come from, people would probably would have been much more impressed by me. You know, if How I so? if I had shown up in in Williamsburg or whatever <laughs> in 1998 with my guitar singing, uh, and and I hadn't been from any family uh, background in music. Or talked about it or whatever, um, people might go like, "Wow, she's really good." Yeah. <laughs> Why is she so good? <laughs> we gotta sign her right now. Right, right. <laughs> but instead, it was like, "Oh, that's Rufus Wainwright's sister." Uh, oh, that's smart. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, it, it's like a lot of like, so uh, you was, know. That was like, a, was did you find that pretty frustrating? It was completely frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> and every interview was, you know. Um, daughter of sister right, it's right, like right. that and it still is i mean now it doesn't really matter because i've totally embraced it and i'm like how can i get the most out of this possible well yeah how did you, you know? overcome that frustration uh i accepted that it was actually that that it was never going to go away yeah and that then of course it was also the thing that completely defined me and then my mother died and rufus and i like became much closer and then we just started singing her songs and you sort of Basically, you just go, turn you turn around and you embrace the whole thing that you think was killing you. Yeah, the um, you know, looking back, how, did your musical style change, or like how did it develop over time? Over right. Um, well, I like to think that it's changed. Um, I uh, this this last record that just came out. Um, Last week, I don't know how you cut this, but um, I think it's more forward um, thinking, more outward, less navel gazing, mm-hmm. less self pitying, less totally autobiographical. 
uh, a slightly more creative. Um, I think that that is a good sign for me. <laughs> I think, although, of course, my most, uh, you know, this, my songs that I wrote when I was younger had this very kind of angry, um, pitying, uh, sometimes sophomoric um, uh, uh, fierceness that I think people really did uh, appreciate and really did identify with. So yeah. I don't, I'm not, I'm not at all poo-pooing that. I'm just saying it's, it's. I think it's kind of opening up a little bit, and and I, you know, I like to believe that that um, all of the great songs that I've sung by other people, because I do that a lot. I sing other people's songs. I like to think that they're rubbing off, their songwriting is rubbing off <laughs> on me in some way, yeah. you know, so that somehow intrinsically I'm gaining every time I sing somebody's great song. No, I don't, I get it. It's like, you know, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. It's, um, you know, you, you hear like comedians or writers or, you know, people who love something and they, and they're like, you know, somebody will like, Judd Apatow, I think, used to like write down and transcribe comedian sets to just be like, what does this feel like? to write this right you well, know trying to absorb it yeah yeah, yeah and that's yeah. like I, I totally get that that makes sense yeah. we're you know i'm a little lazier than just <laughs> but i think anybody could guess that everybody got, every, look everybody's got their own pace and nobody's is better than anyone else's you know yeah and for me also you know my i've all what i've what i've always done as a an artist is i i um I live my life like um, a sort of a frantic person, mm -hmm. and then that is what um, I write about. Rather than I don't wake up and go like I am a writer. I'm going to write. <laughs> I don't know anybody. Know people in the who cafe, does do they that? They look like they're having a trouble. You know? Do you think he, people do that? I definitely okay. think people like that okay. do that. They're always around with their book. And, <laughs> More and more like, you know, making food and running around trying to go to the bank, trying yeah. to get things done. And then I haven't written a song for weeks and I'm like, oh, God, you know, and then I'm like, and it's, so it's kind of a reversal in a way. Where, you know, like, a, where is like the, the desire, you know, why is like putting like raw honesty into your work? Why is that important to you? You know, maybe in... Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was because my mother was right, and I lacked interest, and I didn't have anything better to write about but myself and my feelings. But um, why is that important? Was that the question? Yeah. Why is that important for you? Well, I guess it it makes me feel better. You know, a lot of my songs can kind of be a bit like sad or angry, but I'm really not a sad person or an angry person, and that's probably because I I get that's it your out. Outlet, yeah. yeah. That's cool. I would imagine. Was there was there a moment where things kind of felt like they were taken off for you? It was such a struggle <laughs> to try and sort of get out from under the shadow of this and that and then, you know, struggle with rejection and a sense of self-worth. And, and then finally when the first record came out, and I wasn't a kid, I had been around for a while, made a bunch of EPs, I played a lot of shows. And people started to take notice, especially in the UK. Um, you know, when I was on television a lot and playing at radio stations, playing at the main stage at Glastonbury. You know, it yeah. got it got pretty. You know, and then all of a sudden, it all made sense, and I was like, okay, it's going to cool. be all right. And then and, and 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 it's continued that way. I mean, there's always disappointing things and exciting things. Yeah, because it's you know it's um. It's a career of music that's, you know, not in the mainstream. 
so it's a it's a it's more of a struggle still yeah but uh well what do you enjoy most about it well i think at, at this point i think you know i think having you know having a two children and being a mother and then also being able to sort of you know put the kids to bed and then pick take my guitar and go do a show and be applauded and get paid and then you know that's kind of an amazing thing yeah if you can do both which is sort of my goal yeah you know what are the challenges like in raising children and you know being a musician pursuing like an artistic you know pursuit well you need help family help i've never had nannies but i have a lot of family support Mm -hmm. and uh, my husband brad is very available to help you know and then um uh, you know, I just know that, that I always thought it, that my mom was super cool because of what she did. And I think it's more important for me to work than it is for me to not work and be with my kids 100% of the time. Right. You know, because I think, well, A, they need to eat. Yep. And B, I think that that, that that makes me maybe a better mom or person or somebody for them to be to find interesting if I continue to to work and to do things. And then I bring them on the road and I take them out of school or sometimes I leave them and I go, you know, and, um, I think it's important for them to see that women, moms can, are allowed to do that and are need to be able to do that. Have you, um, I mean, has it changed your approach to anything? Well, I have to be more careful. You know, when I, I write songs about my kids, they don't sound like, bloody motherfucking asshole which is you know or they they don't sound uh they're they're softer they're kinder they're more protective yeah that's cool do you ever feel any pressure at all um well only at the pressure that i put on myself to succeed and to you know you know um anybody in this business knows that it can go away really quickly and it's a hard time because nobody buys records and nobody really knows how they're going to support themselves down the line and so you know you worry about oh god should i be making a cookbook i mean i think you know i think what's hard is that i think artists are expected now to be everything to to be multifaceted as artists and uh, you know, I, they asked me to write a memoir, which I did, and, I, and I'm finishing up. But that's very hard to do, you know, and I think there's going to be a lot of bad memoirs out there. The more yeah. you ask people <laughs> to write memoirs, there's going to be a lot of crappy ones. And, yeah. you know, that's what I'm most afraid of is just sort of being, sort of spreading myself thin out of fear. Right. You know, like right. of branding or whatever, because it's something that I'm not good at. I've never been good at it. So... I know what to do with, I have a guitar and if I can play, if, if, if I'm on stage and, and there's a thousand people and the lights go out and there's no electricity, I, I know what to do. Right. You know, but, but, um, I, I don't know how to do that in every field. A lot of people that spread themselves too thin, sometimes you see them, it just like, it really affects like the one thing that they were great at to begin yeah. with. Yeah. You know, yeah. but also, you know, yeah, people don't buy records that much anymore, but people like live music has had like a crazy yeah. boom in the last 10 years like yeah. unlike anything you've seen i have lots of friends that have been able to really live like a really nice existence like being just like a touring band yeah and i mean obviously that's hard when you have so kids it's hard and stuff when you, have you know kids, yeah tour i mean like tour, touring is fucking rough it's rough and 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 it's exhausting it's physically exhausting i i'm excited about the possibility 
And I think it's going to have to happen because people need to, to, to live. I'm excited about, you know, I, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm a technophobe mm-hmm. and, uh, and I also don't, uh, uh, social media is very difficult for me because I'm not natural at it. Like I don't Look, uh, follow don't, anyone. Don't Twitter become a natural at it. Like as somebody who like wastes too much time on that shit, like just fucking just let that, let it go by. Well, it's, you know, I feel like I am missing a boat a lot of the time, but, um, I think I'm excited about the possibility and I know it's happening of, of, um, exposing people to my music or other people's music without always having to physically be there, right. you know? So a question of whether it's podcasts or, you know, like something that's a live setting that can be streamed or something like that. I think that there, these things are going to start happening. They're yeah. going to have to start happening from art for artists who need to be at home for the, with their kids. They yeah. can't just stop working. Right. It's not possible. You can't, no. <laughs> you know, how do you see yourself fitting into, you know, the music world in, in, you know, in a larger sense, like where, where do you fit in? Like, where do you get in? Like where, what's your zone? Well, I, you know, I, I, I don't have an answer for that because it's always been really hard, uh, to fit in. You know, I didn't quite fit in as a, as a young new artist, you know, and I'm hoping that I'm going to fit in as legend. <laughs> I'm just going for legend. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, that's good. That's my goal. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day, you know? No one knew who she was until she was a legend. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, how do you see things changing in in the music world? And and how do you want to be involved in that change? Well, I think I, I you know, I'm I'm getting I'm I'm afraid of not being able to tour a lot because of my my family life mm-hmm. and what's required of me and I want to be like a pretty um, like mom person. So I really feel like I really want to find a way to still promote my music in a live way but be able to do it remotely and I don't know what that's going to look like. Mm. You know, so I don't know if that's getting creative with filmmaking and putting songs onto films like I just um, because there's no, there was no budget anymore to make a, a video. Oh, you don't have to tell me about that. So I, me and my cousins, and 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 um, um, we just made a video, you know, and and then so we just film, like you know, and we make costumes, and we, you know, and I'm like, well, this is, and then we're gonna, you know, we'll put that up, and I was like, this is maybe how we're gonna, and and, and it feels good, it feels right, right, you know, it feels right, you right. know. My problem is like, you know, cause I grew up watching MTV in the nineties when like budgets for music videos were just like astronomical, like, you know, budgets that you could make movies for now. Yeah. You can make like a movie for, you know, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. just $20, like, $20,000, $40,000, $50,000. Yeah. It's crazy. Like it's, it's, it's really frustrating, but there's still ways to make great stuff. Like you can't let that be, um, yeah. you know, like a, a hamper your ability. Well, yeah, and I mean, in terms of t- being a technophobe, it is really, it's it's scary to feel like you're being left behind. And it is true that my, I don't hear music anymore because I only listen to analog radio, mm-hmm. like, because I really love it as a medium. Yeah, so, the radio's you know, the best. So, I listen to FUV at night while I'm here, or WNYC, or a- FMU if I can pull it in. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to hear some great shit, you know, but I know that there's a lot going on that I'm not experiencing because I'm not... Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not online. I'm not consuming music that way. What still drives you to keep going forward? Well, you know, the responsibility that I have to my family Mm -hmm. and to myself and also, honestly, the want, you know, because I I go a long time, a long time between making records often. 
not so long, but, you know, it takes me a while to make a record. I'm not that prolific. And, you know, after being at home for like a year, making three meals a day and, you know, driving to school, you're like, okay, I need a hotel room. <laughs> okay, I need an audience. You know, it's just like, I'm ready to go. You yeah. know, when, when get me on the plane, you know, time to do a show. You know, so what, what are the day-to-day fears and stresses you deal with? Um you know the, the obvious one of like juggling because i i want to always um i want to incorporate my children into my life into my work life mm-hmm. i don't want to keep them separated so what i have oftentimes end up doing is bringing my kids everywhere so like last night i drove into new york i got in at 8 p.m i brought my three-year-old son who had been in the car the whole time from to, montreal from montreal okay. to joe's pub he had to sit through me doing four songs um, you know, feeding him backstage, uh, you know, dinner. He's asleep in the car. His diaper's full. But I, to me, it's much more important that he's there with me yeah. than me not being, than him not seeing that. Or so we, it's just understanding more, it, yeah. normalizing it, it's normalizing, yeah. and it's like a, we're like gypsies. You know, yeah. that's what we do. And um, so I just, I always, it's an, a stress that I add to my life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm a, I used to go to gigs all the time when the children were infants by myself and I wouldn't bring a nanny. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just going to try it. There'll you know, be somebody to watch them. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just sort of the- hand the baby to some woman who's like backstage. I'm like, she seems nice. Yeah. <laughs> I've known you for all of 10 minutes, but you, I've got a good feeling. You're a grandmother, you. right? You're yeah. <laughs> um, what, uh, you know, and also my, the drive is not too bad. No, it's, it's fine. totally doable. Yeah, um, you know, what are your hopes for for it? You know, where do you want to end up? I know you kind of talked about it a second ago about you don't want to be remembered as a legend. Yeah, but you know, like, what do you? You know, ideally, if well, I, I what I'm what I'm hoping is that you know, and I and I this this might be foolish because maybe I should just live in the moment and be happy. But I I I I don't know. I had this. This sneaky, this 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 suspicion or this hope, this possibility that the second half of my life is going to be easier than the first half. Yeah. Well, I mean, if that's your intuition, then you know, hopefully it's right. Hopefully it's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's next for you? Well, uh, shows, mm-hmm. shows, and um, uh, promoting this new record, and then uh, Rufus and I, my brother and I, are doing our Christmas show in Nashville. We do a yearly Christmas show. We used to do it at Carnegie Hall. We've done it in London, done it in L.A., Montreal. And now we're going to do a country one. That's cool. Yeah. Do you have like do you have people lined? Yeah, up we always have guests. Uh, our big guests are. Um, well, Emily Lou Harris is doing it with us. She oftentimes is, does. But we have uh, Allison Krauss and Ben Folds and then all of our family, various family members. And yeah, That's cool. Well, Martha Wainwright, thank you so much. Thank you. That was awesome. <laughs>